Hey everybody, thanks for listening to the podcast today. We greatly appreciate your support. But before we get started, I want to give you a little pro tip about what I've been doing sort of behind the scenes here. Saving people money. That's SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, just ask Michael up in Katy, Texas. He hooked us up with a five-star review. Why did he do that? Well, here's why. He writes, from the beginning, Francis, Derek, and the whole team were welcoming. It felt great to have a personal touch to the refinance process. Even though it was all done virtually, we went from a 30-year loan down to just a 15-year loan. We knew the payment would go up a little, but the potential savings was worth it. In the end, we saved over $80,000 by refinancing. Yes, our monthly payment went up slightly, but the savings from the cash will help us pay off our debt and keep more of our money in our pockets each month. That's right. He got rid of some other debt. He's got cheaper monthly payments now overall. And oh yeah, saved more than $80,000. How much can you save? Find out right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. And it just takes about 10 minutes to find out how much money you can save for free at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. And oh yeah, did I mention no house payments for two months? Look it up right now at SaveWithConrad.com. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry. Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100 day, 100% money back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Birds. Say about that. Well, hey, Vince, tell me. 
wash your arms look good tonight. Yeah. You're so big. Yeah. Let's go. Bullshit. Welcome to WrestleMania. World title man. Welcome to something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Something to wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to Something to Wrestle with. Bruce Pritchard. Bruce, what's going on, man? How are you? Okay, who submitted that question? And um, does that count as one of the Ask Bruce Anything? Yes. Conrad from Huntsville wants to know, Bruce, how are you doing? I'm doing pretty damn good, as a matter of fact. How in the hell are you doing? Man, I'm good. You know, we, uh, we heard from you a couple of weeks ago that you had just had quite the haul on Paul Bosch memorabilia uh, to get us started today. Find anything good lately? Um, you know, I, I'm finding a lot of interesting tidbits of things. For example, the, the different machinations of his will, his last will and testament, which, um, proved to be very interesting and notes about why he made certain changes to that. And then going through, um, well, Paul had some interesting tastes and loved to travel the world and loved to uh, pick up tidbits from other cultures. Uh, for example, I, I'm staring <laughs> in, a, in a package in my, the, the studio portion of my office of bamboo spears from New Guinea. What? Okay? Bamboo spears from New Guinea. No, I don't, I don't know what you're saying right now. Do you know what a bamboo spear is? I don't understand why he has it. Um, well, he went to New Guinea, uh, I think in like 1941 and was intrigued again by the culture. Paul loved world travel and Paul loved to, to study cultures other than our own. So he was fascinated by these handmade spears that New Guinea tribesmen would carve and brought back a bunch of New Guinea spears. He used to have them on top on the on the ceiling of his office, kind of like all fanned out. It's kind of a pretty cool uh pretty cool display. Now they're all wrapped up and packed up, but they're sitting in here. I don't know why they're sitting in here, but uh maybe my wife got sick of them being down in the basement and moved them. I've, I've got uh I've got a hand drawing that Don Fargo drew for Paul of Paul, kind of like sitting on a ring post uh, with the microphone in his hand as if he was doing commentary and mayhem ensuing below, as well as a hand um, punched or, or looped, you know, like a carpet mm-hmm. art of the pro wrestling king of sports symbol. Um, that's up here in the, in the studio now. Uh, so yeah, a lot of, a lot of pretty interesting, cool tidbits. And I know what you're going to say. Why don't I post some of these? Maybe I will. Maybe I'll, I'll start posting some of these, uh, this weekend and have folks take a look and and just see some of the, the deals I, I actually put up in the main part of my office. I've got his boots, which were bronzed and a real cool display. I've got those up on the above the fireplace as well as this ring 
that was handmade that was always a favorite of mine, a wrestling ring. And I've got some statues in, in both of those. And I've got some cool statues and just different different displays. And I'll maybe take some pictures and shoot those out to everybody this weekend. See, I knew I'd get you to come around. Here's a little pro tip for you, boys and girls. If you have regular interactions with Bruce Pritchard and he's not in a good mood, ask him about Paul Bosch and he'll cheer right up for you. I'm in a great mood. Okay, motherfucker. You ain't got to get hot. Wait a minute. Hang on. And now, you know, as you're, as you're saying this, dude, I just, why in the hell are you, are you messaging me on Twitter? All right. Because one of those is a question and it's a visual question. I need you to be able to see it in order to answer it. So here's the question. We've been asked this several times. Jonathan Addo, for whatever reason, wants to know, can someone hashtag ask Bruce or just tell me who the guy is in the picture that looks like, at, hey, hey, it's Conrad. So over on the right side of the photo, over your left shoulder, there's a cutoff of a fellow with dark hair and a big-ass beard. and He looks like a happy Dom DeLuise, which I guess also looks like me. So who is that fellow so we could never get that question again? You like that action shot of me, though, don't you? How the hell did... Where did this picture come from? How did people... This is actually a personal picture of mine. It's one that you provided to the WWE Network somewhere along the way, and they used it as B-roll. Oh, wow. Okay, interesting. Well, you know what we're going to do, though? We're going to move, if you're looking at the picture from left to right, and I'll save the answer to the question for the very last one. First of all, where, where is this? Is this the Bosch office back in the day? Yeah, this was my office in the Bosch office, yes. And, uh, God damn, this is okay. So over my fireplace, you gave this to Evan, look in the bottom, right? It says vice land. So this is from season one of dark side of the ring before that became a no go for you. Ah, those criminals, they stole my personal property. (laughs) So, um, the picture all the way. So I'm going to work left to right. If you're looking at the picture is a picture of Dory Funk jr with a reverse chin lock on Johnny Valentine. Now, Dory's father-in-law, maybe, I don't know, somebody painted that picture, like made a painting of that. And I have that picture also hanging over my fireplace in my main office. So that's kind of cool. From there, you go on over to the next picture, and that is Ernie Ladd doing a big splash, caught in the middle of a big splash. Right behind my head on the left side, that's Pepper Gomez and George Scott battling to get the other one over. And then next to that is uh, the heel second, Tommy Fouché, throwing a cup of water in Johnny Valentine's face while Toro Tanaka is in the background, and it was a taped fist match. And then the gentleman that looks much like a happy Conrad is Whiskers Savage, who was a big draw, a kind of a novelty, hillbilly Jim, Haystacks Calhoun type character of the 1950s. All right, you know what time it is. It's time to talk about rad power bikes. Man, these guys have become a big time sponsor for us here on the show, and I'm getting incredible feedback from our listeners. 
People are absolutely loving e-bikes. Not just any e-bike, a rad power bike. And I got to admit, if you're hearing this and you're like, what the hell is an e-bike? I thought the same thing a few months ago. But then I learned that when I was a kid, I always wanted a moped, but you had to have like a special driver's license. Ah, ah! Not with this thing. Dude, you can get out and enjoy the outdoors. You can go up to 20 miles an hour, which means you can really have some fun outside without getting all hot and sweaty. But this is like a perfect blend between a bicycle and a moped, but you don't need a special driver's license. That sold me. Here's the other thing I really like. All of the e-bikes from Rad Power Bikes are affordable. You see, their bikes start at just like 1200 bucks. They're all under 1500. Some of the other competitors though, dude, they're charging more than three grand for a bike. But these are good for any purpose. You wanna commute around town? You wanna to get out in nature? You wanna run some errands? You wanna haul the kids around? You wanna go fishing? You wanna go hunting in the woods? You can do it with a Rad Power Bike. I mean, hit the trail on this thing or go pick up groceries. How cool is that? And to show the appreciation for those that serve us, Rad Power Bikes is offering $100 off all e-bike purchases for active and ex-military, first responders, teachers, hell, even students can save some dough here. They've got a great, dedicated U.S.-based customer support team seven days a week to answer all your questions. And let me tell you, this makes an incredible gift for someone who likes to be active or outdoors. I can't recommend this enough. It's blowing up in my timeline. People are talking about Rad Power Bikes and how much fun they're having. If you want to look it up yourself, check it out. Rad Power Bikes is getting tons of great press. They were even voted the best affordable electric bike in like five categories over at electricbikereview.com. And frankly, they're the largest electric bike brand in North America. But here's the really cool part. Just because you listen to this show, Rad Power Bikes is offering flexible financing as low as 0% APR. And right now is a limited time offer. You get a free accessory with the purchase of a bike. That's right. A free gift up to $100 in value and free shipping to the lower 48. To get this special offer, just text the word BRUCE to 64000. That's Bruce to 64,000. Text the word Bruce to 64,000. Be glad you did. I just uh, threw him in my Google machine. It looks like he was uh, with us from 1900 until 1967. So, yeah, how about that? How about that? Believe it or not, a few years ago, uh, Edge actually made a tweet about that guy. And he says, in the WWE warehouse today and stumbled on a photo of Whiskers Savage at Real McFoley, I had no idea you had another alter ego, Sweet Pompadour. Sweet Pompadour. Was that a question? No, just commenting that I'd never heard of Whiskers Savage until just now, and it turns out uh, I got to do some some dusting off of my old uh, wrestling almanacs from the 60s and catch up. Yes, you do. Uh, Whiskers, well, Whiskers was a huge draw. And one of the original uh, country, country hillbilly type characters. Ladies and gentlemen, in case you haven't figured out, we're doing a hashtag Ask Bruce Anything episode today. Uh, we're fresh off the heels of, of a fun show last week where we talked about Saturday night's main event from July 28th, 1990. We probably did an hour before we ever actually pressed play. So we covered a lot of news and notes and then got to watch the show with Bruce. We've got some fun bonus episodes coming your way, and you would have gotten this show early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. Next up, we've got Bob Backlund next week on the 21st. We'll be back with one of our most requested shows ever, SummerSlam 2005, which sold all kinds of pay-per-views with Hulk Hogan and Shawn Michaels on top. Lots to dissect there. And then we'll round up the month of August with SummerSlam 1990, 
And I know what you're thinking. Are you ever going to cover SummerSlam 92? You're darn right we are later this month over at adfreeshows.com. But let's get back to some questions. Art Tavano wants to know, financially, what was the WWE's most successful piece of merchandise? Was it the ice cream bars, Austin 316 t-shirts, championship belts? What would you guess? I'd probably have to, if I was to guess, I don't know the answer. If I was to guess, I would probably say Austin 316. Yeah, I think as far as a t-shirt, that's probably got to be number one, but it is a fair question because replica belts have become so popular and you guys have to have a good margin on that. That's your highest priced piece of merch, right? Uh, it's, it's a good one. Uh, let's keep it going here. Joseph wants to know, is there a subject that you wish Conrad would cover with one of his other hosts that you could listen back and say they're wrong? Have you listened to another episode or is there a topic you would love to hear someone's take on just so you could shit on it? Hmm. Well, everybody other than me is wrong. Well, we know that. That's that's yeah. well established. Okay, you're going to have to explain this one to me a little bit. I think the idea is: Has there been an episode where you know my co-host was full of shit? Whether it was Eric Bischoff, Jim Ross, Tony Schiavone, Arn Anderson, woo, whoever. I've never listened to him. Yeah, no surprise. I mean, you have 38 and three minutes a day. I don't think you're you're downloading. I mean, that would, that 38 minutes would be one Eric Bischoff answer. You know what I mean? Oh yeah. Well, there you go. Uh, on deck 316 wants to know what are some matches or events that are typically held in high regard that you just don't care for. Is there one? Hmm. Like for me, you know where I'm going to go with this. I think the WrestleMania 12 main events overrated, not because I, Oh my God. And you're so wrong. Not because I don't like Bret Hart or Shawn Michaels work. I absolutely do. I hated the gimmick match of an Iron Man match because it feels like, oh, I'll just tune in at the end. It, I didn't have the edge of the seat drama that I would during a traditional match. So that in particular is one that sticks out to me. Is there one that you're just not a fan of? Maybe because there's too much blood and guts or it's not your cup of tea with quote unquote garbage wrestling or something like that. One specific match or an event. Either or. Well, I go back to the concept of in the, the pay-per-view concept of the King of the ring. And I've always kind of been a fan of, of tournaments and things like that. But I think that some of those didn't really live up to the height. Um, as far as is matchups and, and that big, big match feel that just kind of never really lived up to the height. Um, I'll, I'll give you one that, that stunk the joint out. God rest his soul, Roddy Piper and Jerry Lawler. Hmm. I would have, because they're both so great on the mic. Uh, I thought that they would old school, tear it down in an old school way. And instead it was just kind of old. I don't hate that answer. Let's, uh, let's jump to another one here. We've talked a lot about belts on this show. Uh, what is Bruce's least favorite belt of all time? Hmm. D design look or concept either, or God damn, you've got so many follow-ups. Well, I, Hey, I'm trying to be, uh, Eric uh conversational here. How about trying to be entertaining motherfucker? Give me, well, I'm fun. trying to be fucking entertaining here because I think that as far as concept that the six man tag team 
championships that were just created for the Von Erichs and the Freebirds was yep. just silly. I agree. Design so, wise, what do you hate? Design wise, Spinner. <coughs> oh, Spinner is fucking excellent, man. <laughs> uh, I probably have to say the the tag team championship belts that, that are now in the WWE. So did you like them when they were like copper or bronze? Copper Penny hated them. So you just hate the design overall? Hate the design. I got you. Have really you s- hated the Copper Penny look. Have you seen the... Uh... I'll give you another one. Uh, the Southwest Tag Team Championships. Uh, San Antonio Southwest Championship Wrestling. Those were the most god-awful championship belts of all time. They're... they're uh, Southwest title was the drizzling shits, Mickey Mouse looking belt, but the tag team titles were the lamest ever in the history of lame championship belts. Where are you at on the 24 seven belt? Love it. Hypothetically. Do you think the new United States title needed some blue paint behind the stars at the top? Subjective. I think it would have made it pop. And if I was doing it, I probably would have, would have done that. So um, but I like it. I like it. Uh, better? I like the three dimensional aspect of it. So you've seen it up close. We haven't, of course. Do you like it better than the one it replaced? Absolutely. Have you seen the, uh, the TNT belt, like their version of the TV belt that Cody's rocking that because of COVID they didn't, get I have not, well, they didn't get to finish plating it. So it's just like the zinc plate. It hadn't been like polished nickel. So, uh, it's an interesting sort of working man's belt right now. Uh, Ryan wants to know, you recently talked about diesel and I wondered how much a heel, Mr. Perfect fighting for the strap could have helped diesel's baby face championship run. That's an interesting idea. We know that eventually Kurt is going to put the tights back on. Do you think he could have been uh, somebody to help diesel get over? And I mean, he would have sold his ass off for him. I'm sure. If, if it was the old Mr. Perfect, the, like the original incarnation of Mr. Perfect absolutely would have been able to help diesel because he was just that good in later years. No, I don't, I don't think that at that, in that time frame, that Kurt would have been able to help him as much as he could have earlier. Nicholas Hill wants to know with the state of the business in flux right now, where does Bruce see the business in the near future? Will things only get better with adding fans back in? I sure hope so. And I think that, (laughs) Yeah, you know, I think that everything gets better once we get back to some sort of normalcy and time will only tell on that. So yeah, who the hell knows? I, I don't think anyone has that answer. Here's a great question. This is from Joe. U. he says, is it true that the building housing tracks, the location of season one, tough enough is owned by the WWE and they only charge $1 rent to the company that occupies the other 98%. If true, another great charitable deed done by the WWE. I have no fucking idea. Um, for years, you know, yeah, Trax was just the building kind of down the hill from where the TV studio is, but I didn't know that it had any other tenant. Ken Patera's pet raccoon, Josh. I know him. Wants to know what were Bruce's thoughts on Don Morocco's face run? I thought Jesus Christ superstar was a great theme. Um, thank you. Believe it or not, that was, that was, that was something that came about in a meeting looking for Don's music and ribbing Vince about his production 
he did a live production of Jesus Christ Superstar in a park in the middle of a thunderstorm. And I started just saying, yeah, you can do Jesus Christ Superstar. And he's saying it just to, to kind of mess with him. And then it was like, God damn, that's it. Dun, 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 dun. <laughs> yeah, and there you go. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate Stevensinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better serve his friends and guests online. He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online, too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com. Fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Friend of the show, Efren, wants to know, Bruce, what can you tell me about the NWA Pacific Northwest heavyweight champion turned WWF enhancement talent turned angriest referee ever, Jack Kruger? This guy would get so pissed in the ring that they ever have to tell him to tone it down. And he has a clip here from WrestleMania 4 where he's really giving the business to the million-dollar man. Yeah, Jack was, Jack was one of those old-timers, the super nice guy. I don't know a lot about him. The only thing that I really knew about Jack is when he was a referee with uh, WWE. So I th- see that's news to me. I didn't know that he was a Pacific Northwest, whatever, Furnham Snavitz <laughs> champion of the hill there in Eugene, Oregon with Elton Owens and all that shooting shit. Hey, I saw something a couple of weeks back and it was, uh, it was on Twitter. And it was a video clip of Gordon Soley and Ole Anderson on Georgia Championship Wrestling opening a box from a fan. And Ole, clearly trying to do the ribbing, says that it was from Ethel Stavitz. And he opens it up. And they would describe it as a confectionery item of some sort. And, oh, there seems to be chocolate on the bottom. It's a chocolate dick. And Gordon Soley says, did you model for that? As they quickly shut the box. Did you ever see this? Can you believe this actually made air on TBS chocolate dicks? Well, I'm uh, not even going to say it. (laughs) Uh. I'm just saying like the idea that they knew they were going to do this. I mean, Schnavitz is, is a fucking worker name, right? I mean, you guys have always made that bullshit word up for make believe whatever's right. And so when I, I'd only heard you do it. And then I started to hear Taz and some other guys say it randomly. And it started to, Peak my my interest a little bit. And then I heard Oldie say it and I'm like, oh fuck, this is all a planned whatever for TBS. This is unreal. Little little scary. And it's interesting that you would bring up Efren and that that made you think of a chocolate penis. 
No, that's not exactly what it was. Well, it was a hell of a segue is all I'm saying. Okay. But you said Schnavitz in the answer when you were talking about the Pacific North. Actually, I said Snapes. Whatever. You said that word and it made me think, hey, I forgot to mention this to Bruce. Yeah. You know, back, back then you could get away with a lot more, so to speak. And in that kind of way, I guess. So you saw it and it was just to pop the boys and everybody had a funny ha ha. Yeah. Uh, Ken Patera's pet, pet raccoon, Josh, what a name wants to know who was Bruce's favorite guest from their brother love show. God, I, going back, it was all my favorite probably was always Hulk because it just was just so goddamn easy. And no matter what you did, you got a pop. I also just loved working with Roddy because we would try to one up each other all the time. And I never knew what the hell he was going to do. So to, to that extent, that was, that was probably the most fun because you could just get out there and roll. And some of the, some of the worst <laughs> were, you know, Dino Bravo and, and Ron Bass, you know, rest their souls that were just God awful, horrible. And you had to do the promo for them. You know, I didn't know this was a thing. Uh, Jordan Biffle wants to know, I've been wanting to know how, oh, come unquote, on. That's not a real name. Now you're making shit up. How Todd as well saves Jordan Schnapes. You remember Todd Packer getting involved with the WWE in the early two thousands as a guy who would protest during Godfather's matches. Todd Packer. It's the guy from anchorman one and two. He wore the cowboy hat. His real name is David Kochner or something like that. You know him. Famous comedian on Twin Yes, Teach, I do know who he is. Yeah. Hat. Okay. You guys had him planted, uh, I guess, to distract the Godfather. I don't know. It was a fun little thing that I didn't know existed. I mean, he, he had like a little picket sign that says the WWF is immoral. You set WWE security over to take care of him, and boom, that was enough distraction for Pete Gas to lay the wood to him. Pete laid the wood to the Godfather. Yep. Well, a little help from his Sorry. friends, you know, the main street posse and whatnot. Son of a bitch, a, a big fan. Old Todd Packer was and there and why not do something with him? Cause people did know who the hell he was and yeah. he was an awful lot of fun, but a good guy and just, just a fan. So it's like, Hey man, make him a part of it. Lenny Bakken wants to know with Vince being such a workout freak, has he ever encouraged or even insisted that his inner circle work out with him as well? Uh, not insisted. It's, uh, especially not with him. I used to work out with him all the time. Uh, but no, wasn't never really been insisted. It just happened to be right place, right time. Um, encouraged. Yes to work out. Charlie thrower wants to know during the ruthless aggression special on the WWE network, Bruce, you have on a gold ring that faintly resembles Paul Bosch's. Is this the ring you lost? And if not, were you able to find it during your recent move to Connecticut? I have not found the ring and the ring that you see in that is one that I had made, uh, by Brad Marks with IW Marks Jewelers there in Houston, Texas. And IW Marks was a longtime sponsor of the Houston wrestling program, kept us on the air. Uh, come see us, come see us and say 3841 Bel Air Boulevard at Stella Link. Um, 
hey, Brad, you owe me for that commercial. Uh, but Brad Marks made that for me, and that's my kind of homage to Paul, and that's that's my wrestling ring. Mark Nielsen wants to know, the grand finale Survivor Series elimination match concept was only used in 1990 with the last match of all the Survivors. Is there a reason why this was only used once, as it seemed like a very clever way to create a surprise main event on a unique pay-per-view rule format? Well, because it sucked, first of all. But second of all, we kind of did it with Bill Watts, with uh, like a survivor match at the end one time when for the two and a half months that Bill Watts was there. And I don't know that uh, if, if it was even the same thing. And the Watts deal was so convoluted. It's one of those that I tried to forget and happy I did. Talent wants to know why was creative so much different per era. There's the attitude era, ruthless aggression era, and now the PG era. What made those changes? Is it all Vince, the fans creative? It's, it's the world. Um, you know, the world changes, taste change and what the audience is looking for changes over time and you adapt and you try to adapt to your audience and, and change change is good. If you look at, you know, any, any programming, it's all for, for the audience more than anything else. And I think during the time when you go back and you look at the change from the WWF, the new generation to the attitude era, that was during a time that people had a lot more attitude. Our society had more attitude. So in looking at that, that helped change the product. And when you look at ruthless aggression, that was a shoot. That was during the time of, you know, who wants to step up and take it? And over time, shit changes. So you got to change with the times. Dylan Huffman wants to know what kind of Rolex does Bruce have? Any other jewelry? Do I have any other jewelry? Well, like, you know, the stuff that you wear every day, you just explained, you've got this Paul Bosch ring or sort of an homage to that, that you had made. And I think most people see your gold Rolex on most of the videos, but occasionally you'll rock something that's stainless. And you know, we get in the weeds sometimes on these ask whatever's because people who listen to this know that I'm a watch guy. So we talk about watches. So share what you'd like, unless you're worried about a mugging. Well, I'm, I'm rocking my, uh, Omega right now which is my 007 uh, Quantum Solace Omega uh, numbered. Give you a little uh, trivia tidbit on this. I went to the Quantum of Solace. <laughs> All my jewelry shit goes back to Brad Marks. Um, but they had the the premiere of the movie. Got to go to the premiere. And they, he had two of these watches sequentially numbered. And there's only so many made. And I got two of them and gave the other one to John Layfield for his birthday. So John and I have sequentially numbered watches of our Omega, whatever the hell kind of thing this is. <sighs> but uh, the Rolex is a president's. You want to tell any details on that one? No, it's president's gold bezel. Uh, I mean, uh, diamond bezel. Previously owned. Yeah. Uh-huh. 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 Uh-huh.
Hey, Bruce, you mentioned a little while ago that you had, when we were talking about the pictures in your office, this was actually a photograph taken of Dory Funk Jr. with a, I think you said it was a reverse chin lock, and it was actually hand-painted. You have a painting now over your fireplace of that photo? I, I do. Well, here's the deal. You can do that right now if you're listening to me, and I know what you're thinking. It sounds awfully expensive. Well, not at PaintYourLife.com. See, there you can have an original painting by a world-class artist done by hand from a photo. And when I first heard that, I thought, that's a great idea, but it's got to be too terribly expensive for me. Nay, nay. This is the ultimate gift. You can get a professional hand-painted portrait created from any photo at a truly affordable price, all at PaintYourLife.com. You've really got to try this. You'll get to choose from a team of world-class artists and work with them until every detail is perfect. They've got a user-friendly platform that lets you order a custom-made, hand-painted portrait in less than five minutes. It's so easy, even Bruce can do it. There's a quick and easy process. You get a hand-painted portrait in about three weeks, and you can send any picture of yourself, your kids, your family, a special place. Your dog. Oh, your dog. There you go. Or combine Rowdy photos. dog. Stephanie got one for my, for my daughter, Amber, of her dog, Rowdy, and it's absolutely beautiful. I'll post a picture of it. And I recently commented on yours in your dining room when I finally came back to your house so I don't have to come back for, what, another four years? Um, and it was positively beautiful. I commented how nice it was. And what's fun is you even recognized where it was. It was from Chicago, Smith and Walensky's. Me and Megan hugged up right before we went to a sold-out House of Blue show. Hashtag humblebrag. And it all happened at paintyourlife.com. Seriously, the perfect birthday, the perfect anniversary, the perfect wedding gift. If you've got a gift that you need to give and you want something meaningful and personal that will be cherished forever, you just can't beat this. And at paintyourlife.com, there's no risk. If you don't love the final painting, your money is refunded, guaranteed. And right now is a limited time offer. Get 20% off your painting. That's right, 20% off and free shipping to get this special offer. Just text the word WRESTLE to 64,000. That's WRESTLE to 64,000. Text the word WRESTLE to 64,000. Paint your life. Celebrate the moments that matter most. Drew Landry wants to know, was Mr. Perfect's best match against Bret Hart at SummerSlam 91 for the Intercontinental title? And why didn't we ever see them lock up for the world title? Well, because Mr. Perfect was already gone by then. But, um, you know, Perfect, I, you'd be hard-pressed to find a bad match that Kurt ever had, even when Kurt wasn't the Kurt of old. Kurt was just so damn great that he never really had a bad match. The SummerSlam match with Brett off the chart, tremendous. But I also go back and look at what Kurt did with guys. Hulk Hogan and Kurt had some of the most incredible matches of all time because Kurt bumped all over the place and made Hulk look like a gazillion bucks. So uh, you look at Kurt Hennig and you look at the body of work, shit, man. Very few could touch it. Just so you know. Technically, when Mr. Perfect came back out of retirement and he was no longer the executive consultant and was sort of a last-minute replacement for the Warrior situation. Brett was right. champion. Yes. Yeah, I get it. So just for whatever reason, you just felt like, hey, we don't need that. We need different opponents. We need what a bigger style. or bigger They were both person. baby faces. Oh, there you go. Charlie Thrower wants to know, Mr. Pritchard, did you have any dealings with Herb Abrams? 
Secondly, uh, what was the word on him throughout the WWF or the industry from your standpoint? Never met Herb Abrams. And, uh, yeah, have absolutely no idea. I think that for the most part, looking at, at Herb Abrams and what, uh, what Herb was doing at the time with the UWF, it wasn't a big threat. And Herb was just going out trying to get everybody that he could that had previously worked at the WWE. So uh, not a, that one wasn't somebody that we were like going, Oh my God, Herb Abrams. Charlie thrower wants to know, do either of you guys have any fun or embarrassing road stories about the other one from your live show days? You first, I got nothing. Then neither do I, <laughs> I knew how to play that shit. Uh, Andrew wants to know people always say everything goes through Vincent Kennedy McMahon for approval. How hands-on is Vince with products like video games? Does he get involved? Like, does the team show him mock-ups of the game for him to approve or what's that look like? Uh, no, he has people that, that, that does that. I want to, I'll tell you my favorite video game, uh, incident with Vince is when my kids were very young, they came to the, to the office. We were there. And I, when I say young, they, they had to be like maybe three or four. Um, but old enough to have some idea what to do on a video game. And right outside of our office in the TV studio was one of the arcade video games that you could play while you're waiting there. And so I pulled up a chair and put my son on the chair and Kane's sitting there and he's playing this video game. And as usual, we're waiting for Vince to come into the meeting, to join the meeting. And when he came in, he saw my wife and, and kids there and was saying hello and, and all this shit. And Kane's over there playing a video game. Hey pal, what are you doing? And Vince sat there and played this arcade video game for like 15 minutes with Kane. Now Vince had no clue what the hell he was doing and neither did my son, but they played for 15 minutes and Vince is sitting there moving the controller and pounding the damn thing. And I'll never forget Brian Gwertz coming out because everybody was in the room waiting on Vince and he came out to go to the bathroom or something and sees Vince they're playing a video game and Stephanie came in there's like, we've all been waiting on you in here and he's out here playing video games with my kid. So that's my favorite, just video game story with Vince has nothing to do with the other stuff. That's people that know what the hell they're doing. That's like asking me to give input on a video game. You know, it's funny because, uh, here's a peek behind the curtain. We got an email from our, our great folks who support us over at Westwood one. And they said, Hey, Conrad, um, how many of your co-hosts are gamers? And I had to be honest. And I said, okay, let's play hypotheticals here. I have a PS four. Bruce Pritchard has a PS four only because his son has a PS four. And she's like, what about everybody else? I'm like, baby, my co-hosts are fucking grandpas. They don't have games. Not me. Not yet, but you know what? The way Kane's been, well, never mind. Uh, Jason wants to know, now that Bruce is older and has more financial security, has making, make, making the move back to WWE been a good decision 
or maybe one he is regretting because of the schedule and demand on his time. I love every day of my life. <laughs> I'm sure. I do. Now, here's the thing. Let, let me, let me, let me explain. I don't talk about shit now. Okay. We, we have that rule. Yeah, we're not. All right. This, this is about the past, but let me go ahead and expound on that a little bit. I have lived to be a part of this business since I was four years old. Right. And to be 57 years old and still be a part of it and get to do something that I truly love uh, every day of my life and to still be a part and um, still have a passion for it is crazy as it gets in as little sleep as I am afforded. We had tonight to get this done. I'm like, bear with me, man. I promise you I'm going to have, I'm going to have time. I'm going to get it. I'm going to get this in tonight. And last minute, I'm getting ready to leave. I'm going one hour and I had to put a time on it so I can hit it. And I swear to God, man, I was opening up the computer and just hitting it when the sound of the gimmick of you calling me in. Um, I love it. I absolutely, I absolutely love every single day of my life. And I, I don't regret a single thing. Sometimes I question it and I want to bang my head against the wall and wonder where I was two years ago, especially when the weather's nice and I'm thinking about a, a pool. Um, but I also think, wow, why not? And I, I actually love working, so it's pretty cool. No, we're just busting balls that you have 31 free minutes a week for the pod. That's all. You ain't got to be so goddamn sensitive. Well, I am a little fucking sensitive. I'm a sensitive guy. Which is why I started to warm me up by telling you to tell us about that boring Paul Boss shit nobody cares about right at the top of the show. They all care about it. That's why Houston Wrestling available in the archives is the number one most downloaded podcast of all time. In the history of all podcasts ever. Okay. Now, now we're speaking truth. Scoops wants to know. When guys get fined, how is that done? Is it withheld from their future checks or earnings? Do they have to cut a check back to the company? If it's the latter, where does that money go? The NBA and NFL. I have no idea, have no idea how it's done. I'll tell you how it used to be done. Okay. You used to just withhold it from their check. If it was too much, you'd do it in increments. If it was a big fine, then you did it in increments. Uh, Rajiv wants to know, did you feel like in your short time with TNA, both times that you helped make their product better? Well, yes, I, I, I think I made it in my first time there. The second time there, I was there as a talent and wasn't there long enough one way or another. However, the first time I think that I was able to slow it down a little bit and allow it to tell a little more logical stories. That's my opinion. Some people may disagree, and that's why we all have uh, assholes and opinions. Uh, Lenny Bakken wants to know, and by the Lenny, way. Lenny, again? Well, here's the thing. This is a good question, but it's always interesting when a money guy asks this question because it feels like he's trying to, I don't know, do an application with you. Uh, personal friend of the show and, and a big-time investor guy. Lenny Bakken and, and Lenny and Lenny went to our first ever live, live, show. live show. Yes, he did. 
Yep. He has a question for you here, Bruce. I think he's angling for some more loot to come his way. He says, where do you see yourself in five years? <laughs> uh, he already knows the answer to that question. Alive. I, you know, um, here, I, I hope so. Anyway, um, uh, things change, man. Shit happens sometimes. So if I were looking into a crystal ball and I had any control over it, I, I would be, I would be same place that I am now. And that the business would be stronger and better, better than ever. So that's what I hope. And that's what I work towards. I try not to try, try not to think about it really. And just try to put your head down and work one day at a time and, and move forward. That's I've, I've learned. I have goals. I have ambitions, but I, I internalize it a lot more than I ever used to. And just bore forward. It is an interesting question though, because I think a lot of people sort of subscribe to like, I'm on a 62 retirement plan, a 65 retirement plan, or I'm on the work forever plan. Not because, you know, they have to necessarily, they just enjoy it. Like Jim Ross is North of 65 and he just wants to keep working because he's having fun. I sort of imagine you have a similar take on all this. I do. There's often times that I've thought about, wow, if I could only uh, just kick back and, and do a podcast one day a week. <laughs> you mean like two years ago? <laughs> yeah. But the reality of it is, is that the less you do, the more you want to do. But really, the more you do, the more you want. Yeah. So when we really started cranking everything up and started getting busy and I was doing a lot of other projects and working on other things, that's when I really started wanting even more. In, in the beginning, I was content. Right. Yeah, yeah, we'll do this, man. All right, if it does well, it does well. If not, eh, this is what we're doing. But as, as time went on, it became, fuck, man, we could do more. We could do this. We could do that. And, and you want more. Success is addicting. It, it, it is, and, and work is addicting, and it's... It's a lot of fun. So, I mean, I, I said work. I don't know that I've ever had to really work. Oh, um, during COVID, you've been working. Uh, let me ask. Vince's, <laughs> what was, you don't have to answer. Vince's reaction to The Rock becoming part owner of the XFL. That's another question that we got. Realistically, uh, I imagine there's more to that story. What was your reaction to Rock being the guy announced this week as one of the people who are going to try to dust off the XFL for the third time? happy as shit for him and knowing that you know if you watch ballers yeah, it's a real life episode yeah i mean it, it, it really is and it's a it's a real dwayne johnson um goal and th this guy speaking of hard work i've never seen anybody other than vince that, that works as hard as him and he is constantly driven has goals and busts his ass and doesn't get anything for free. So I'm happy for him. I'm, I'm happy that it's staying alive and I'm happy that someone that I know has a hand in molding it and being a part of it. So rock has a love of football always has. And for him to achieve that, I think that's cool as shit. 
Saving money at SaveWithConrad.com is fast and easy. Just ask Jordan in Murfreesboro. He says, Jimmy made the entire process easy. No appraisal was needed, and we got a great rate on our refinance. What about Glenn up in Sperry, Oklahoma? He says, I wound up knocking four years off my loan and even saved a few dollars on my monthly payment. Easy to work with. Jimmy is the man. How much are you overpaying right now? Keep more of your own money at SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, equal housing lender. So wait, lower your monthly payments and pay your house off faster. Oh, and did I mention no house payments for two months? At SaveWithConrad.com. Uh, here's a fun one from Charlie. He says, Bruce, is there heat between you and the great Brian Last? I enjoy listening to Jim Cornette's pods, but it seems like his co-host is always taking shots at you. Yeah, I don't know the guy. Don't know anything about him. Don't know him. Don't care. Uh, Mike wants to know, why do you think WWE gets so much flack online for television ratings when profits are up year by year? The company seems to be making a better profit than ever in a, for, in a forever changing digital landscape, and I think it's unfair. I think it's just a holdover from the Monday Night Wars where you know people were at the edge of their seat on Tuesdays. They wanted to see what it was, but everything's changed in a major way, and it's maybe not the indicator it once was because of the television rights. I don't know. What do you think? I, I think that when you look at the overall scope of media and the way that everybody consumes their entertainment today, that, you know, it's one small part. This is an interesting question. And I mean, you've never talked about this, but we have had like a half a text about it, but I didn't get any vibe one way or another. David Lackey says the NBA is using a Microsoft format to have actual fans in the audience on a screen. Would WWE consider doing something of that nature and selling tickets. I'm attaching a picture of a good friend of mine and a close friend of Charmel's who you might've known through reality of wrestling. The concept being everybody's got like a new way of sort of putting fans in the crowds. And so we've seen some with, you know, cardboard cutouts. Some, it looks like they're, you know, watching a Madden game or some sort of video game. There's lots of different people trying different things. Have you had a chance to catch any of that? Did any of it intrigue you one way or another? I, I tell you, I think that a lot of it's intriguing and watching what Fox Sports has done with the baseball games and the way that they've digitally in, included fans in, the, in their audio. And um, I think that everyone should stay tuned and see what's next. We're uh, always evolving and always trying to do something new. So to that, I'll say stay tuned and I hope you're not disappointed, but, uh, I think for the, for the most part, everyone in this space that is trying to look at ways to incorporate the audience and, and make it different than what it is, um, very intriguing. And, and we're in some interesting times right now. Rajiv wants to know, when you think of your career as a whole, do you have a single favorite memory? Uh, yeah, I, I mean, put it all into one thing. I, I go back to WrestleMania 17 and walking out as brother love in the Houston Astrodome in front of a hometown crowd. That was just that audience, that spotlight, that spectacle was one of those, it just, that was one of my favorite moments to be able to do that and, and experience it, um, on a worldwide stage, but in front of hometown, that was pretty, 
pretty intense. I would imagine your, your SummerSlam brother love show from Madison Square Garden. That's got to be up there too, right? Oh, without a doubt. Because again, you know, you can't make it in New York. You can't make it anywhere. And New, or if you can't make it in New York, you can make it anywhere. But um, the garden's the garden. And there's something special about Madison Square Garden. That and it was the first SummerSlam. That and we were on pay-per-view. It was the largest uh, crowd I'd ever worked in front of at the time. Uh, you add all of that into the live production. Pretty intense. Pretty intense. And that was... I can't remember a time ever, ever, um, in any performance setting where I didn't go out with butterflies and nervous and thinking about, you know, what I was going to do. I don't think that there's ever been a time in my career or anything else where, where, where I was performing that I didn't walk out with butterflies. I can go out in front of, a group of 10 people from the center. I'm, I'm, I'm scared. I got butterflies. I'm thinking about what I'm going to do. Let's, uh, let's do a question here from Tony flowers. Uh, and this is a, this is one that me and you've never really talked about when you're thinking about coming back to WWE. Was there any episode of Pritchard show or comment that you had made on something to wrestle that you thought, mm, man, I wish I hadn't said that. No, think so feels like you've always sort of played it fair here as much as possible well again i i've always i've always gone by the credo and you know this of i never got when people left somewhere that they would knock it right especially if they spent any time there i had a blast i had an absolute blast with all my runs <laughs> at wwe and to shit on them it's crazy. Those people were my friends. Those people were uh, a part of making my life unique and spectacular. So to that, I had a blast. There were some bad moments, but there were some incredibly great moments. And I choose to remember the really great moments. You can remember the bad ones, but don't dwell on them. Or you're going to drown yourself. In fairness, we did have quite the time shitting on TNA that one time. But even that, I, I had fun at TNA, and I didn't go into that to shit on anybody. You shit on people. <laughs> I just like, you like to shit. I don't. I like to get you fired up. Is what I like. Well, uh, you're fucking doing it. I will, here's one that'll make you happy. What was your favorite match from the Houston wrestling days? Do you have one you could recommend? All of them, for fuck's sake. You know, the entire the entire uh, angle with Jose Lothario and Gino Hernandez spectacular storytelling, spectacular, you know, uh, student teacher story, great stuff. But as a kid, I remembered anything with Johnny Valentine and Wahoo McDaniel. They beat the living shit out of each other every Friday night. It was intense and it made you want to be a part of the business so much, so much more. So there were, all of them were great memories. Jaden wants to know, were there ever plans for a championship that we never got to see on TV? If so, what were they? And the only one I know of is the rock belt. Like they had a smoking skull, Steve Austin sort of vanity championship. I know they made one for the rock for whatever reason. It never made the air. Can you think of another example? 
what of just like championship belts that were made for people or like, like ideas of belts or championships that for whatever reason never made it to tv i think once upon a time there may have been tag belts for the women way back in the day that y'all never did anything with but i don't know that for sure yeah i mean we had the tag team championships for the women with leilani kai and uh, judy martin okay um and jumping bomb angels during oh, that yeah, time yeah, yeah, but yeah. But it kind of dropped after they left. Um, I'm sure there is. I can't think any off of the top of my head. I know that I know that we have brought up that horrible idea of a six man championship. But thank God we didn't do that. Peter wants to know: Was there a moment during the podcast that you thought, "Okay, I want to keep doing this. I dig it." Yeah, when we got a guarantee from mid-roll. <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I think number one to me is the Radicals episode. Maybe number two is the Sunny episode where we got so tickled we couldn't sp- we couldn't speak. And then, yeah, getting that first big check from mid-roll, that was, all right, we're going to keep doing this. Yeah, so um, I... I would have to agree with those with those particular shows that were just so much fun. And in the beginning, when we used to be able to do them there at the house. Yeah. And that was a lot of fun because it was just us sitting there talking and bullshitting. And in particular, were we drinking during the sunny one or was that that just was we were goofy no, and tired? We were goofy and tired, but we both knew that that was a story. And we weren't sure if we were going to bring it up. And then when we did at the very end, I think it was both of us thinking the other one was going to tell it. And we just got tickled. And when I start laughing, you start laughing and down we go. I think the only other time we've laughed that much for real is on that train PSA from a couple of years ago. That just, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There, there've been, there, there've been a few of them, but I, the sunny one hurt because oh. I couldn't stop laughing. You removed your headset and tried to leave the room because you, you were in violent pain. The only other time I've seen you laugh that hard is when we were working on the Cornette episode and we're trying to plan for ad transitions because we knew what our ads were. And these days they're just dynamically inserted. That's what she said. But once upon a time, we knew exactly where we wanted to place it. And we were talking about our big sponsor at the time for mesothelioma. And when we got to the George, the rat thing, all I looked, all I did was spin around and said, what if, and then you finished my thought and literally fell in the floor laughing. What if George, the rat died of mesothelioma, which is not funny, but it is funny. And yeah, good times. Yeah. Poor George, the rat. Jeff wants to know what were undertaker's thoughts of the ultimate warrior? How did he handle having to work with him? First of all, it was, you know, it was money. And second of all, it hurt like hell. But Undertaker was also at a place, you know, stature wise that Warrior didn't work with him the way that he worked with uh, people that were not that big and that could hit back type thing. Uh, not one of his favorite programs by any stretch of the imagination, but it was a big time spotlight issue. So, yeah, I think that Taker really liked it from that vantage point because it put him in the spotlight. Kyle has an interesting question. If you could change any WrestleMania main event and make a match lower on the card, the main event, which would it be and why? 
Mm. It's got to be 18, right? You'd close with Hogan Rock. Well, I don't, I don't think so. Um, you want the title to go on last? Hogan Rock was such a special attraction. It could it, look hindsight's twenty twenty, and it could have gone on last. Right. And I, I look at them through the years. The um, I, I got one for you. WrestleMania twenty five. I think that Undertaker Sean should have gone on last. Okay, I can buy that instead of Randy and Hunter. The Rosen Coaster wants to know if there's one match in wrestling history you could reproduce in cinematic form. What would it be and why? <laughs> for for a lot of different reasons, uh, WrestleMania six, Hulk and Warrior. Because it was the two biggest stars in the business at the time. Uh, when you go back and you look at those iconic battles, God, could you imagine when you think of the the open of WrestleMania six? And through the eons, or whatever the hell it was, and you know, Neptune and Saturn collide. That kind of shit. When you think of some of the things that you could have done with that, no one would have bought it at that time. But that could have been one of those in, incredibly intense, insane. Andre Hulk, you know, uh, toppling the giant, fee fi fo fum, and a fucking beanstalk, and all this other shit. Um, let the mild mind go wild and you have enough of anything you can get, get out there. It's an unbelievably fun. Listen at adfreeshows.com. Here's a clip. It is the debut episode of the much anticipated JR fires back. And you notice he stayed away from all of his real issues. If he was a great star, Conrad, come on. Who gives a shit if your mother calls the office? I don't. Or your father, or your sister. You don't think I hadn't had phone calls from virtually every family member that exists in a family tree at some point in time? Either over a check that was late, or where's my, we thought it'd be more money, or we need to pay our taxes, or, you know, when's my husband going to get, a, get more TV time, blah, blah, blah. And so the talents have others call representing them, which I thought was kind of a chicken shit way of doing business, but nonetheless, you know, I listen, but you know, Mark's been telling the story for years, man. If that doesn't get you going, I don't know what will available now at adfreeshows.com. Where, by the way, you would have gotten this show early in ad free. It all starts at just $9 a month. Check out everything available right now at adfreeshows.com. You'll be glad you did. And now here's more 83 weeks. Pinder J wants to know, how was it determined where someone is billed from? Today, I know it's more based on where talent is really from, but back in the day, someone like Brutus, the fucking barber beefcake was billed as being from San Francisco when he's really from Tampa. Yeah, but he looks like he's from San Francisco. Listen to you. What? ABC 17 wants to know, or I'm sorry, ABC 717 wants to know. If you were writing TV at a Stephanie McMahon high school basketball game, were you concerned with someone hearing you? This comes from a story that once upon a time, you just had to go wherever Vince was to write TV. And you famously told the story. Sometimes that meant you followed him into the city to get a haircut because that's where he had time to talk. But well, when- it wasn't always writing TV. Okay. It, and in that particular 
instant. It was booking, and it was booking towns. You're just putting together so cards for a house cards. show loop, yeah. Yes, sir. Justin Davis wants to know for WrestleMania five, was there an alternate promo or poster that included Miss Elizabeth but wasn't chosen? Of course, we all remember the WrestleMania five poster as that iconic drawing of the Macho Man and Hulk Hogan. The Mega Powers explode, but front and center of that story was Miss Elizabeth. Was there a version considered with her on the poster? If there was, I never saw it. That would have been cool shit. She probably should have been in the middle. It would have been cool. Uh, Ken Brzezinski wants to know, do you think a snake pit type interview segment could work these days with a talent like a Bray Wyatt? It seems like it'd be pretty interesting. I think the gist here is Ken wants to know what a set like that work or in this environment, do you think it's all got to be sort of what Jericho and Miz did where it's a big monitor and a carpet, blah, blah, blah. Well, I think there's a lot of things that could work. The answer to the question, Ken, is yes, it could work. And you just have to have the right talent to be able to pull something like that off. And there just aren't that many brother loves left. Thank you for that. Russ Papilla wants to know, when Shane McMahon left the company years ago, why don't you think he ever tried to open up his own wrestling company? What the hell was her name? What the, what was the name? Russ. Oh, I, I, but you said it all together. I thought that was all like one long name. So do you, th- why didn't you think Shane ever took a stab at opening a wrestling company? I think that, that Shane was looking to get away for a time. And I, I don't know exactly why, but that was something that, you know, for Shane, he probably wanted to get away from the business. And I don't think that, uh, he would ever do that. Uh, Brad wants to know what were your top three produced segments or vignettes that you're most proud of? Do you have three that stand out? The million dollar man stuff, uh, Mr. Perfect stuff and undertaker building the casket for Kamala. Dude, you had that shit ready to go. Well, they stand out. Uh, talent wants to know who do you think were the three worst signings of JR's when he was a uh, head of talent relations? I think this probably comes from, and you've heard it for years. Whenever anybody does well, JR always sort of tongue and cheek says, I wonder who hired that fellow, but surely there were a couple stinkers along the way, right? Yeah. Um, you know, Dr. Death was not the greatest hire at the time. Right. Um, I, you know, uh, God, I know that when Al Snow came in, it wasn't, uh, wasn't always helped with JR's endorsement, but Al Snow got over that and was, you know, got out of Avatar and moved on to being something else <laughs> and being himself. So, yeah, I don't know, man. That that's all subjective, and and you you try to do the best that you can, and not everybody's going to make it. Bruce, who's the more shameless shield with all the commercials, Conrad or the MyPillow.com guy? It's pretty close in my estimation. I don't think it it's close at all. We are. <laughs> my pillow, dude. Come on, man. I you you remember when you got your my pillows? I have my pillows. Yes, you bought my pillows. I was there. Okay. Like 2016 in the summer, you're watching my pillow and you ordered it right then and there. Well, I'll tell you, they didn't make a big impression if that's true. No, they sucked. 
Okay, there we go. Well, probably, yeah, then I probably have those because I do not have the best pillow in the world with them, no doubt. Yeah, I, I don't want to shit on them, but... Um, but uh, especially if they're going to sponsor next week because we'd be glad to reconsider. Wouldn't that be right, Bruce? Reconsider. Find out next week with the promo code. Uh, <laughs> we're, we're not. We're going to win this shameless deal. Harambe wants to know... Who would have won in a burger eating contest between Yokozuna, Big Van Vader, and Jim Cornette in 1995? Um, okay, if, if we went back to 85, Cornette would probably win. In 95, probably Yoko. Yeah, I, I bet Yoko wins. Captain Zach wants to know, why do you think the WWE stopped running the Cow Palace in San Francisco? It has so much wrestling history and could be nostalgic. What was the question? Why did they stop running? Yeah. Stopped running cow palace. The cow palace is probably one of the, the, the greatest, the cow palace to me is like the sportatorium. Um, very famous, but shitty legendary drizzling shit. So, I mean, it, it, it was a palace for cows. It was a place where they had the cow competitions in San Francisco. Um, it's a place where dirt sheet riders should be underneath in the Bay area underneath the cow shit because that's where they belong. Um, but the cow palace was the drizzling shit. It was hot. It was very, I, I always would sometimes when you get to places like Boston garden, spectacular, man. Uh, at least the garden was a big, really nice building, I guess in its day, but it had no air conditioning and I hated working there in the summer. It was, it was just like a fucking sauna where the walls sweat, but the cow palace was the shits always was the shits. The sportatorium always was the shits. So it just got too old and too shitty to run there anymore. Here's a fun one. Um, Luke from Eastern Iowa wants to know, do you have any good Jim Dotson stories? We haven't heard much about him. And it's probably a name that some of our listeners don't even remember. Uh, chat us up. Any good Jim dot Jim Dotson stories. I wonder if I, well, I don't know if I should tell this, but I will. Jim is no longer with us. Bless his heart, rest his soul. Uh, but I went to a party for New Year's Eve 1992, I guess. And um, Jim Dotson was there, and I was doing a video of the party, just kind of doing a uh, – a video of the party and doing commentary on everyone in the party and what have you. And the cameraman for the video was about six, 10 and a half long, Wendy looking like hair. And he was doing the videography for this particular scene. And I walked into a bathroom in the home in which the party was taking place. And came upon Jim Dodson in a compromising position <laughs> with a young lady. And now you know this because you might've heard about these kind of things. 
I continued to do commentary on what was taking place in this person's home. Now, Jim did not see who the photographer was at the time. Jim's big, jacked-up old, you know, country boy. And Jim <laughs> goes to, like, kill me. And at the right time, the door kind of swings open, and he's looking up at the cameraman and realized it was, probably wasn't the best decision to kill the messenger in that in that regard. And that was, we always remembered the first time that we, quote, met was was interesting. Can you imagine, Conrad, somebody bursting into a scene like that and doing commentary on it with camera rolling? Uh yeah. Wow. Do you wanna You're a sick puppy is what you, you want to tell that story? No. Because that's a good one. But we might need to no. put that one behind the paywall. Uh David wants to know why does Vince McMahon not want the superstars to acknowledge him in their Hall of Fame speech? I think the Vince just looks at it as it's about them, not him. Simple as that. Jason wants to know, what do you think has been your son Kane's coolest WWE experience? Well, he was in the money in the bank match. Do you think that's it? Yeah. I remember as a kid, uh, Ray Mysterio, uh, coming to the ring, putting his mask, putting the mask on him at ringside. Uh, shit like that, probably playing video games with Vince McMahon, even though I doubt he even remembers that. That was probably more fun for me than anybody. That's super cool. Yeah. Uh, Mr. William wants to know, if Triple H didn't get hurt when the invasion happened, who would he have been working with, or who would you have liked to see him work with? Mr. Per a lot of Mr. Perfect questions. Oh, this is Triple H, Bubba. Oh, I thought you said Mr. Perfect. If Triple H didn't get hurt when the invasion happened, who would he be working with and who would you have liked to have seen him work with? I would have liked to have seen him working with Austin at that time, even though they were together. I would have liked to have seen him working with Austin. And if not Austin, it probably was going to be Kurt. I'm saying from an invasion standpoint. Like well, that was, I, but you're saying it, that was the invasion angle, but you're saying if it has... I think the, I think the question that they're trying to ask is what WCW is motherfucker did you want him anybody to from WCW during that time? Who would I have wanted him to work with? Okay. No, whatever you say. Okay. Uh, probably Hulk. Mike Whitaker wants to know when Vince was doing the McMahon million dollar giveaway, was he really giving away his money? 100%. Couldn't, uh, you know, the company's public company couldn't give away company money to do something like that. So it was, it was his own money. Uh, you know, I don't know what you want to say here, but there's a whole bunch of smart asses in the replies, uh, with their stupid smirks. Let's say, why are the ratings worse than they've been in 20 years? Do you want to say anything or just keep it fucking moving? Ah, keep it moving. Uh, on a serious for those note, that, for those that know, no explanation is needed for those that don't, none will do. On a serious note, how many hours of sleep do you get on average? On average, about four hours a night on a good night, but that's an average. Uh, Mr. William wants to know if next week was your very last episode, what would you want the topic to be when you went out on it? So going to go out with a bang one last big show. What would you want the topic to be? Bruce is dying. <laughs> 
What? That would be the topic. Oh, okay. Because I see the show has to end because you're ending. I'm dying. That's that's how we're going to end. Uh, another question here. Unless What's, I just quit. Josea wants to know, what can you tell us about the origin of the nation of domination? And do you think a similar faction could exist in 2020? I don't know if, a, if, if something like that could exist now. You never know. But it was, it was a unique way to put Ron Simmons in a prominent spot and be able to protect Ron. In, in the ring because Ron was, was injured at the time and we wanted to protect him and, and keep him healthy as long as we possibly could. And I think it was a strong group. Um, don't know that you could do that today. Well, I do know you, you probably couldn't do that today. You're not in the same form, but, um, it's, I thought it was a pretty damn cool group and I thought it was a great Avenue for Ron Simmons and the rock. All right, let's try to time out right now. I want to tell you something you might not already know. Did you know that up to 80% of the immune system is influenced by the gut or that supporting the immune system through proper diet and digestive health enables our pets to better fight environmental allergies? Solid Gold is passionate about gut health because a healthy digestive system positively impacts the immune system and overall wellness of pets. Solid Gold, by the way, was the world's first holistic pet food company in America Started in 1974 by Sissy McGill. Sissy was a trailblazer and a pioneer who disrupted a very much male dominated oriented industry and created a natural pet food before it was cool. And Sissy of course was inspired by European pet food and the fact that those European great Danes outlived their American counterparts. Her first recipe has now provided high quality nutrition and digestive health for more than 20 generations of dogs including your dog, who you claim is the official something to wrestle dog. They're rocking some solid gold. And specifically you tell me they love the 100% human grade bone broth. Is that right? Yeah. Okay. First of all, Dodger, the wonder dog is the official dog of something to wrestle with. And he will not. Okay. Won't eat his food unless he's got his bone broth in there. He loves treats from solid gold i think that he knows when we get our packages because that's when he's at his happiest and for my wife the dodgers look dodgers got a little bit of a of a heart issue right now he's older and the only thing that we're allowed to feed him is solid gold products so i stand behind him this is not a yeah it is an ad but this is an honest God testimonial to tell you that solid gold pet products are the absolute best out there. There's nothing added. It's made for dogs, it's made for cats. And if you're a dog lover, like I am, you're going to feed your dog. Nothing else. It's, it's worth mentioning. Uh, when you guys were in Houston for the last several years, your wife, Stephanie had dedicated her life to helping animals. And whenever we get a sponsor like this, uh, we can't just go read the ad. Stephanie has to sniff it out, so to speak, and make sure that this is the right stuff. And she was on board right away with solid gold. Was she not? Well, not only did she do her research and looked it up and found out all about the company and found out about what they put into their dog food. Once we did it, it had to, it had to go through, as you say, the sniff test, but then it went to the dog test and we've got three dogs. They all love it. They get nothing else but 
And even when I don't get my care packages, it's the only thing that comes into this house and goes into our dogs because they love it and it's good for them and it's the best thing that you can be feeding. Solid Gold's nutritional platform is inspired by their founding belief that high quality food is the best way to impact our pets, mind, body, and spirit. They've been doing this for more than 45 years. Solid Gold has just revolutionized the holistic pet food category. They've got a recipe for any dog or any cat's dietary needs, including healthy whole grain and grain-free options, wet food, supplements like sea mail, and of course, Roger Dodger's favorite 100% human-grade bone broth for dogs. And by the way, these foods are different from Solid Gold because they cleanse the digestive system with whole superfoods, they balance it out with living probiotics, and they fuel with omega-3 and 6 fatty acids, all supporting gut health and nourishing your pet both inside and out. And right So now, I'm going to tell you what I'm going to do. Okay. You want to know what I'm going to do? Please tell me. Right now, you can save 30% on select Solid Gold products. And all you got to do is go to solidgoldpet.com slash Russell. That's solidgoldpet.com slash Russell to save 30% on select Solid Gold products. Remember, solidgoldpet.com slash Russell. Make your dog happy. Make your significant other happy because when you open up that bone broth and your dog's tail starts wagging like crazy, they're going to thank you and you'll be glad you did. Just go to solidgoldpet.com slash wrestle. Save 30% on select items. Jesse Inman wants to know, and we got this in various ways. Could you ever see Vince McMahon doing a tell-all type book? Um, sure. No way. That would never happen. Yeah, Yeah, I I could see it. Fernando has a fun question here. Hypothetically, Bruce, it's you, Conrad, Tony, Jr., Eric, and Arn all going out for dinner and having a few drinks. By the end of the night, who's picking up the tab and don't say Conrad. Well, then we're walking. (laughs) I was going to say with your little alligator arms, that shit ain't happening. Oh, hell yeah. Are you kidding me? I got the Mick Foley reach for the wallet down. Uh, I, you know, you miss the first couple times. It's like, hang on. Let me, oh, wait, oh, these damn pockets. They, they move all the time. I could have sworn it was over here. Well, hang. Oh, have you got it? No, hang. Let me, well, I, I mean, she's got it now. I'll go ahead and take it. Yeah. I, Here's the thing. We can't let JR pay. Cause if JR pays, we'll never hear the fucking end of it. Tony won't. Tony won't. I could see Arn doing it. I couldn't. I could see Eric doing it for sure. Eric would do it. Eric and I would do it. Yeah. Uh, Fernando wants to know Conrad, what do you think Bruce will do first? A agree to something. The wrestling observer publishes B let Dave Silva borrow his car Ooh. or C eat a pickle. I don't Pickle know the- might win this one. <laughs> I'm deathly afraid, but nope, I'll do it. I mean, I would puke and be violently ill. Um, but the other two just can't happen. Dustin Nichols wants to know, was Dixie Carter the worst promoter you ever worked for? If not, who gets that honor? Dixie wasn't a promoter. Um, 
Dixie was an owner and, and Dixie was a marketer. There's a big difference. I think as, as far as promoters, uh, Peter Burke calls Paul's nephew, uh, without a doubt, hands down the worst ever, um, personal and professionally. And then, you know, going through looking at different people around the country. Uh, I, you know, Joe Blanchard was not a good promoter. And th those are probably at the top of my list. Michael Eldridge wants to know, pick your poison, Bruce, edit Dave Meltzer's wrestling observer newsletter or book creative with Jerry Jarrett and Vince Russo for a year. Oh God. Well, I mean, if you edit, I, I mean, I would take editing, uh, the shit sheet, uh, because it's just easy to, all you're doing is Xing it out. And then it would only be like a paragraph long. Mick Dolman wants to know, has Vince ever heard Bruce's impression of him? And if so, what does he think? Practically every day. You still do it in front of him. Absolutely. That's hilarious. I don't know why that's funny, but it is. Well, I look guys pretty much what I am here is what I am in, in life. No, I, I got <laughs> I mean, that, but I, it's just funny for me to imagine. And I know you wouldn't do it in that setting, but in my head, there's like all the department heads all gathered around a table and we're that's not true. Conrad, I would do it in that setting. <laughs> I have done it in that setting. I will do it in that setting. God damn, pal. It's such good shit. It's just tremendous. Whatever it takes. Uh, <laughs> pretty oh white, pretty white for a fly guy wants to know, why don't you mute, mute your phone while recording episodes? Uh, because I'm working all the time. I mean, that seems like, and I'm sorry if that bothers you so fucking much. All righty. Eldridge wants to know besides sting, what other single wrestlers or tag teams does Bruce wish he could have worked with at the height of their career? Hmm. Well, Sting is definitely one of those up there. Um, I'll throw the, I'll throw the Road Warriors in there, even though I did I did get to work with them a little bit uh, in Mid South when they were really catching on, and then by the time that they came to us, I think that it was a little bit different. I would have loved to have had them earlier. And, you know, I got to meet them and, and go out with them and work with them just a little tiny bit in Mid-South. And they were just, they were great guys. It was funny because people were intimidated by them because of their on-screen on persona. They're like, oh my God, these guys are crazy. Those beat you up. They're just two great guys. Jason wants to know, what was a better long-term storyline? The Mega Powers Explode or the debut of Kane? They're different, but for a, a long-term planned out coming to fruition, the mega powers explode yep. for a really cool backstory and debut that turned into something beautiful for an extremely long time came. Chris says Hogan's on Austin's podcast about a year ago. He wanted to turn heel after WrestleMania six and possibly feud with Savage. Could a heel Hogan and babyface Savage have been a bigger draw than their previous feud? A heel Hogan and a babyface warrior would have been incredible. 
I don't know that uh, the reverse roles of, of Hogan and Savage would have been as big, but you could have gotten there maybe with Elizabeth. Steve Frazier wants to know, aside from being another way to end a match, where do you stand on the old over-the-top DQ rule? Do you like it? Always hated it, but I guess growing up on it in the South, it was, you know, it's an easy finish. And when you go back and look at finishes from yesteryear, especially in the 70s, and look at some of the things that were finishes and go, oh, my God, it was so simple then. But there were some creative finishes that were done out of it. You know, I still to this day talk about Dory Funk Jr. and and hooking a guy in his entire body. So they went over the top rope at the same time. And Dory would would feign like, hey, no, man, it's he hit me. We went over together, so you can't disqualify me. And then Dory would roll in right at the, you know, right before the 20 count. Um, so yeah, not my favorite. I just kind of thought it, it's like jumping off the top rope. It, when WCW did that during the Bill Watts era of over the top rope and no off the top rope moves and shit like that, people hated it because it took, it took the excitement out of it and they eventually changed it. But, um, yeah, not. Not a fan. Chris wants to know during the Monday night wars, were the wrestlers Vince considered as a necessity that he wouldn't want to leave no matter the cost. And on the other hand, what wrestlers did Vince want the most from WCW? I don't think that, uh, there was anybody from WCW that we wanted. Oh my God. Got to have them. Uh, the giant was intriguing. We got the giant. Besides that, you know, Jericho was intriguing. Jericho came over, but there wasn't anybody. Boy, I wish I had him. Scumbags Wrestling wants to know, what was Brutus Beefcake doing in the mask and barbecue grill on his chest, attacking Earthquake and poof, gone? God damn, what the hell was that? That was... uh... It was a way to bring beefcake back with, with the mask on to protect his face. Right. And damn it. What the hell was his name? It was a terrible name too, but it lasted, I think two weeks and everybody knew it was beefcake. Right. As soon as he hit the ring. So that compounded with the, the fear of just his face getting shattered again at that point in time, wasn't going to work. Well, see, he either came back as beefcake or didn't come back at all. See the Mariner. No, it was a goofy name. Um, originally it was like the boogeyman. I think at WCW, they called him the booty man or something like that. Yeah. He's been known as Baron beefcake, big brother, booty, the booty man, brother, brute, brute force, the butcher, the clip master, the disciple, dizzy golden, dizzy Hogan, Ed Boulder, Eddie Golden, Eddie Hogan, the Mariner, the man with no face, the man with no name, the Zodiac. Lots of silly shit. Yeah, and and none of those are the goofy-ass name that we were going to call him. And we never did call him a name, did we? I I don't think we did. I think the Cultaholic uh, YouTube channel 
showed clips of him once upon a time and said that he was going to be called the Mariner. But I mean, you would know if you say no, no, no. Then that ain't it. No. Uh, at Arguk the Butcher. Ooh, that's a name. What arena has the grossest bathrooms and who is the one wrestler you don't want to go in there after? <laughs> uh, um, Dick Murdoch, the answer to the last question. Oh, he was dropping and, bombs. Oh yeah. Dickie could, uh, Dickie could, could, he could destroy a bathroom. Um, well, Sportatorium was, was not the, not the cleanest or nicest. Uh, that would probably rank up there as one of the worst. Or any time we ran a friggin' rodeo arena. Oh, yeah, times you just have nothing bad. but a porta potty. It's got to be, uh, that's got to be bad, a rodeo deal. Brian wants to know is Goldberg the modern version of the Ultimate Warrior? You know, Bill. Bill's unique, and Bill was a huge draw, man. I don't look at at Bill the same way, I guess, because Bill was created, and Bill was a, a product of this mass hysteria, and Warrior was someone that had time to learn, and once he got there, just really never wanted to get, get better in that way. I don't, I don't know that, uh, the Goldberg was that way. I think that deep down Goldberg really wanted to learn. Uh, the real T Reynolds wants to know, do you still own Zubaz pants? I do. Who doesn't? I knew you were going to say that. Chris wants to know of all the big money feuds Hogan had is a feud with Rick rude. The best big money feud that he never had. If not, what is, um, Jake, Hmm. That would have been tremendous. I think Jake would have, would have been tremendous. And I think that Jake would have been one of those that you could have got three or four out of around the horn everywhere. Jake tells the story that. They tried it once on like a house show or something and the fans were chanting DDT and supposedly Vince was like, well, that can never happen. We can't have the fans cheer the other guy and not Hogan. And it just sort of went away. Do you remember that being tested at least? I don't, uh, it may have happened before I got there, but I think that that was one that boy, uh, Jake could have turned him easily easy and Hogan was so friggin' hot that it would have been a no brainer. And it was one that you could get multiples out of Instagram, a wrestling historian wants to know what's your favorite SummerSlam? The original first one. That was a good one. Just from nostalgia and me being on it. All right, Bruce, it's that time of the show where we got to talk about, well, yours or Batista's or whoever. Of course, we're talking about our friends over at bluechew.com. That's right. It's performance enhancement for your ding dong. Remember the days when you were always ready to go, Bruce? Well, now you can be again. You can increase that performance in the bedroom. Get that extra confidence you're looking for between the sheets. It's bluechew.com. That's blue like the color blue. 
course, Blue Chew is bringing you the world's first chewable with the same FDA-approved active ingredients as both Viagra and Cialis. And this hey, is great how, news. Wait, wait, wait. Can you take them? Can you, you can only take them at night. Nope, nope, nope. Anytime, day or night, even on a full or empty stomach. And because it's chewable, Bruce, it can work up to twice as fast as a pill. Did you know that it's also prescribed online by physicians, Bruce? Did you know that? That you don't have to go to the doctor's office or wait in line at the pharmacy? Did you know that it ships right to your door in a discreet package? Did you know And it? they're made in the USA! That's right, you limp dick motherfucker. They sure are. And because Blue Chew prepares and ships direct, they're cheaper than the pharmacy. And best of all, there's no more awkwardness, like Bruce and I stepping on each other here. Right now, we've got a special deal for our listeners. Visit BlueChew.com and get your first shipment for free when you use our promo code. Wait a minute, they don't have it written in here, comrade. It's, it, it's always Wrestle. Oh, that's it's always Wrestle, buddy. It's always Wrestle. I got it. Well, so, if you use the promo code RUSSELL... There we go, there we go. Just pay $5 shipping. Goddamn! Like, and we stepped on each other. It's like we're stepping on our dicks. It's like we've already taken Blue Chew, and it's so big, so rigid, listen, that we here, just keep stepping on Here's it. the reality. If you take Blue Chew, you're going to get to fuck harder than me and Bruce just fucked up this commercial. That's B-L-U-E-C-H-E-W.com. The promo code... What is it, Bruce? Do you remember? wrestle and you get it free all you got to do is pay five dollars for shipping because blue chew is the better cheaper faster choice and we thank them for sponsoring the bob that the broadcast the broadcast they've been a long time sponsor and we love our bluechew.com use promo code wrestle and get your first order absolutely positively free just pay five dollars shipping and by the way if you don't go order right now after they hear this ad they might no longer be a sponsor please go get your ding dong card at bluechew.com and use that promo code what is it bruce wrestle ah. Woo. Uh, jr has shared some stories that when he would go driving from town to town with vince back in the day if Vince was driving, he would lock the windows and cut some ferocious gas. Do you have any stories of Vince doing stuff like this with you? Farting? Yeah, like really thinking it's hilarious to hotbox you with a real stinker. Absolutely. <laughs> You're gonna tell yeah, we story? all did that. Did you have a funny story or just yes, no, like a goddamn deposition here on the show today? Uh, we're, we're pretty much doing deposition style today, by God. Um, <laughs> I've shit my pants trying to top them. Okay. We got to hear that. Well, what happens is, is you go to fart, but sometimes like it sneaks out. It's a shark. Then behind it, what? It's a shark. Oh yeah. I've sharted many a time. Just to top but it. But the beauty of that in a car is, is it stays. And it lingers. The more you move around, you can feel it kind of like, ooh, that's going to be ugly when I finally land. Uh, so every once in a while, all you got to do is kind of like lift up a little bit and then sit down, and it's like farting all over again. Jeremy wants to know, would Vince ever allow someone to make a movie about him? Sure. I think it's just got to be, you know, it's got to be the right, the right presentation. You never say never, man. You know, a lot of the the steadfast, oh, my God, this is the way it is. It just ain't so. Let me ask. 
a story or a script was leaked a few years ago about a Vince McMahon biopic. And I had Linda and Vince from the early days. And I think there was even a scene where he went to recruit Andre. And I think in the movie, like they had Linda waiting tables and then it sort of died off. We never heard any follow-up. Do you think that movie ever becomes anything or probably not? Um, that movie? No, I read the script. It was worse than God awful. So no, not, not anything like that. Uh, unless somebody just wants to go out there and make a bad movie, but the possibility, look, you never say never. So I, I say that anything is, is possible. Elliot has a, a great question here. What makes a good wrestling teacher like Dr. Tom so good? Patience and understanding. Uh, patience because you're going to watch someone do it a thousand times wrong before they get it. And then you start counting all over because they need to do it a thousand times right before they're ready. Patience, number one. And understanding and being able to explain why you do something and why you don't do other things. Anthony, a good teacher is a good teacher. By the way, give, give a plug, tell everybody where they can find Dr. Tom. Well, if you'd like to find out for yourself, you can go to jpwaacademy.com. It's just Jacob Pritchard's wrestling Academy. And it's in Knoxville, Tennessee. Dr. Tom teaches and trains up and coming wrestlers that would like to get into the business. Or if you'd just like to know what the hell it's like to train, to be a professional wrestler, then the JPWA uh, wrestling Academy, that's the place to go. Dr. Tom Pritchard and Glenn Jacobs Kane, the mayor of Knoxville County. Uh, they do a great job. And I was there just a couple weeks ago, got a hell of a group of young students, some that really want to be, in the business and some that are just doing it because they want to have the experience of doing it. So whatever it is, it's uh, pretty cool. My son Kane actually got to uh, participate in a class oh, cool. and go through all the drills. And it was fun watching him take take bumps and, and uh, get in the ring with my brother. Was he uh, bruised from running the ropes like everybody is their first time? Yeah, and very sore. I enjoyed that. <laughs> Kurt Nutt wants to know, could you please do an episode on the pile driver music video VHS? I would love to hear how it came together. I watch it with my five sons every morning before I drop them off at the university for class. So it would mean a lot for my family. I really hope that's true that even in 2020 people are watching the pile driver music video before school. Yes. Yes. We can do a whole episode on that. <laughs> sure. Come the fuck on. You weren't even there for that, were you? Yeah, the pile driver I was definitely there for. That's when I got hired and we came in to do the vignettes and we did, you know, girls in cars. Pile driver. That was uh, Coco Ware and everybody at the construction site. Um slit. Just a jasso, bro. A jasso, bro. When you never get nothing in the end. Um let me think. What else? Uh demolition. Here comes the axe, here comes the smasher, the demolition, walking disaster. Hot wax, give honey, what do you say? Oh, sorry. Don't do that. In my oh, no, no. 
Hey, we do have a fun follow-up question about music, though. Dismal Abysmal wants to know, why do some performers get constantly updated ring music, like Bret Hart, The Rock, and some keep the same one forever, like Shawn Michaels or Legion of Doom? Is this something the talent requests, or is it a decision made by the office? It's a little bit of both. If there are tweaks in their character, then uh, there are tweaks in their music at times. Sometimes they request, they want to do something a little bit different. And then others are iconic that you can never change. Like when it comes crashing down and it hurts inside. Gotta be a man. If you could, if Bruce could have grown up in one wrestling family, the Armstrongs, the Hearts, or the Von Erichs, which would he have chosen and why? The Funks. But out of that group, uh, probably the Armstrongs. Uh, roll title now. Uh, Michael Salinas wants to know whose idea was it for Big Dick Johnson? <laughs> uh, Big Dick was uh, originally it was a one-off type of deal, and it just kind of became a rib of Big Dick Johnson. You know what's his name? Richard Johnson. You just call me Dick, and. Uh, Ladies like to call him Big Dick Johnson. So it was to do a, a deal with Vince is a male stripper. And we, we, Triple H and I, might have um, convinced old Big Dick Johnson there to spray Vince with the bottle of baby oil. And we told him we just put water in it, um, which I don't think was true. And I'm pretty sure we might have forgotten to smarten Vince up to it because we wanted that real reaction of a naked man spraying himself with baby oil and then getting it all over Vince. So it just worked so well, and there was such a, a reaction to him that was naturally revolting. He had to reappear. And probably the best one is when he when he got up in front of Jr. and Jr. was so pissed off for real, Jr. just punched him in the nuts. <laughs> Boy, Jr. will sell for you, will he not? Oh, please. Uh, what preconceived ideas of Eric Bischoff did you have before meeting him? And of all the talent that's ever arrived in WWE, did he come in with the most heat? You know, Eric, uh, it's funny because I think I had preconceived. I had met Eric for a tryout in whatever, 1989, 1990, whatever the hell it was. And it was brief. Hey, how you doing? Here, sell this mop or broom or whatever the hell we made him sell. Eric was nice enough, but you had heard all these rumors about Eric and his extracurricular activities, rumored innuendo and all this other bullshit. He also was the guy that had been quoted as saying he wanted to put us out of business and that all, you take it all very personal in this business. So while I had not ever worked with Eric, I had, um, I probably did have preconceived notions, but at the same time, I learned in this business that you treat people and you give p 
people the opportunity and you find out on your own. You don't listen because other people may have had different experiences, bad experiences with people and had an ax to grind. But you, you judge people and how they treat you and how they are with you. And that's the way that it should be with everything. So when Eric came in, there were people who had worked with Eric before that did not wish to work with Eric and, and felt that, oh, this guy's an asshole, what have you. I chose to have an open mind and work with him. And I didn't, I removed those preconceived notions and just looked at him as another talent that was coming in that I felt we could make some money with and took him under my wing. Um, no, I, I worked with Eric constantly and I instead looked at it as an opportunity to kind of pick his brain to tell me about the other side and what he was doing and why he was doing it in WCW. So you can choose how you want to treat people and how you, you want to do it. You can either listen to rumor and innuendo and um, have preconceived notions, never having met the person before or giving them an opportunity to uh, be, yay, be good or bad with you. Or you can listen to other people's bullshit who may have an axe to grind or whatever. Um, I've learned that giving people the benefit of the doubt is, is worked pretty well in, in my favor. So I, I try to do that. I, I mean, I, go back to Conrad, if you will. And you said this to me, you know, not long ago it was you had preconceived notions of me before you met me. Listen, it's what everybody you know, specifically, they had preconceived notions of Tony Schiavone. Oh, he's bitter. He hates wrestling. They had preconceived motion, uh, notions of, of Bruce Pritchard. Oh, he's a corporate stooge. He's a kiss ass. He's a yes man. Whatever. And then these podcasts have shown people, hey, man, that's just like what you heard. Here's them as they really are. And fuck, it's just, it's been a blast. And I'm glad that. We've sort of helped change the narrative and it's been fun. But what was your preconceived notions of me? Uh, well, you came in very cold at first and then you warmed up and then we became best buds, but yeah, I, I didn't know exactly what to expect. I just knew what I had read and what I read was you were a fucking stooge and they were right, but that didn't keep me from loving you any less. No, they weren't right. Well, no, I'm just saying your preconceived notion of me was. Oh, Flair's buddy, right? Yeah, suspect at best. And it worked out. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I'm just saying, you know, me, me and you hanging out together. I do think that you even came into the podcast a little closed-minded. You sort of had your opinion formed about, nope, I'm done with wrestling, and wrestling's in my rearview mirror, and I don't give a shit. And, and I just kept pushing. Why not? What if? Let's try. And you did, and I'll be damned if you didn't put yourself out there and Got over again. Not, not, I used to be over. I am over motherfucker. No guests needed. Yeah. I love. We're just repeating all of our old bullshit. Hey, two more questions. Then we'll wrap this one up. Anthony wants to know whatever happened to Harvey Whippleman. Do you still stay in contact with him? He was always one of my favorite heel managers. You know, Harvey worked for the company, uh, for years still does, um, with, with everything that's going on. Hasn't been involved uh, as much just because of, of the situation, but Harvey, uh, living in walls, Mississippi, 
He's got his cotton gin that he transferred into a home and is doing very well. So he's uh, still around, still doing well. I keep in touch with him through through mutual friends and check up on him from time to time and just uh, make sure that he's doing all right. And he is. Hell of a talent. All right, we well, always weren't the best friends. He hated me. Really? Oh, yeah. Because you were king stooge and he wanted your shot. He wanted your spot. Right. Exactly. He didn't want to be a curtain jerker stooge. He wanted to be the main event stooge. I guess. No, serious business. Why did he hate you? That's, that's news to me. Well, I, I think that, you know, during the time, first of all, a lot of misunderstandings, a lot of perceived um, just different things in, in how he felt he was being treated. And through time, you realize, okay, uh, maybe it's not all that. And everybody grows up. Let's wrap things up with a little word association from Chris Hansen. Uh, you can just do a line or two or a word or whatever you want, but I'm going to rapid fire. I don't know. Five or six. Wait a talent here. Catch a predator. No, I don't think that's him. I think he spells it a little differently. Damn. But just in case, why don't you have a seat over there? Okay. Skandar Akbar. <laughs> Great guy. Uh, you know, he was one of the first people in the United States ever to bench press 500 pounds. Big Jim Weber from uh, East Texas. Great guy. Great guy. Iron Mike Sharp. Clean. Hammerstone. I'd. I don't know what a hammerstone is. Jerry Blackwell. Bonnie hammer. I'm pretty sure he means the MLW champion. Oh, fuck me. I'm sorry. Um, my head was somewhere completely else. Um, I've seen him. Uh, I've seen pictures of him and, and seen him. Uh, impressive looking guy. I haven't seen enough of him to give you one way or another. I, my head was somewhere else. No, in fairness, I threw two old school names at you and then a current 29 year old guy. So God. Yeah. Absolutely no disrespect to Mr. Hammerstone, who I know listens to our pods. You're, I mean, listen to the next name, Jerry Blackwell. It's like, this is a game of which one of these is not the other. Chris Hansen may be just a big Hammerstone fan. Wanted to slip it in there. Shout out to the MLW champ, but Jerry, yeah, impressive, impressive looking guy. Yes. I, 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 when you said it, I'm like, Hmm, does he mean Bonnie hammer? Um, Jerry Blackwell, goddamn, uh, Georgia, just. Here's the funny thing about Blackwell. Until I actually met Jerry, and I only met him on two different occasions, I thought that he was this big, huge guy. Jerry was only like about 5'9". Right. He wasn't that big. He was just bigger around. Yeah. Uh, but a sweetheart of a man. Uh, Tiger Chun-Li. Tiger Chun-Li, man. Kim Duck was what he worked at, uh, from Korea and, um, Kim used to in the old, uh, now I'm going back to like 1975, maybe 74. I was a kid, young kid, but Kim duck always had some of the most beautiful girlfriends I'd ever seen in my life. <laughs> uh, the great Muda. Met Great Muda one time in New Haven, Connecticut. Pat Patterson and I went to an NWA show, 
and just said hello to a few of the boys. I'd never met Muda before. Gary Hart was there, and Gary was afraid that we were going to try and steal Muda, but uh, just said hello to him. Super impressive. I thought that Muda was absolutely unbelievable in his presentation, and I think that uh, should have been much bigger. Let me ask, why didn't we see great Muda in the WWF? Well, first of all, probably Gary Hart. Gary kind of controlled him here in the U.S., and and that was kind of a shoot deal in in how business was done, and and Gary was very protective of that. So the other thing was, by the time that Muda went back to New Japan, he was a megastar over there because of what he had done in the U.S., so Muda didn't really have a desire to go anywhere else and, and do anything else. He I, was a big star in his home country. I just think it would have been cool to see him and Rick Rude or him and Mr. Perfect or him and Brett, him and Hogan. Could have been fun. But since you brought him up, why not Gary Hart? You know, once upon a time, this was the land of the managers. It felt like every heel act had a heel manager. And Gary Hart, to hardcore fans, always regarded as one of the better heel managers, why not a shot in New York? Just didn't jive. Didn't, they didn't click. They being and Vince and Gary. I think, I think Vince and Gary just didn't click. And plus you had Gary who really enjoyed being in charge. Gary liked booking in Dallas and Gary liked his position in, in Georgia. He was, he was a top guy. Um, I thought Gary Hart was very creative Gary was always really good to me and very nice to me. So um, I got nothing bad to say about Gary Hart. Plus, I thought he was just a fucking awesome manager. Do you think that's a nice way of saying he was too headstrong to work for Vince? Gary was too headstrong to not. Yeah, fuck nice. He was he was too headstrong. I I I told this story recently. The creative ways that you think of now that that are people would think were silly that Gary used to do. But Gary would do this angle where he would talk about Gary would be barred from the building. Okay. So the spoiler has got to wrestle Jose Lothario, but manager Gary Hart is barred from the building because Gary had interfered in all their matches. So Gary would cut the promo the week before. He's like, just because Gary Hart is barred from the building doesn't mean I can't buy a ticket, Paul Bosch. Doesn't mean I can't have a flashlight and sit up in E3 with my flashlight. And maybe I'll shave my mustache so nobody's going to recognize me, put a baseball cap on like all these common people out here. And, and the spoiler and I have worked out cues that I can tell him. I can communicate with my man through a flashlight. I don't need to be ringside. So the next week, People all over the arena came with flashlights. And so when the spoiler and when the match started, people are all flashing their lights and, and spoilers looking out into the arena and like pointing and going, is that, that you, Gary? Okay. And everybody and then it's like, oh shit, is that you over there? Simple shit that worked and got people all over the arena. Everybody brought a flashlight. To trick the spoiler, to make him think that they were Gary Hart. Those bastards. Well, let's do a That's couple more shit. here. Abdullah the Butcher. Whew. Nasty. <laughs> um, really? Abby, you know, 
Um, do you ever do this restaurant? No. So nasty's I, I nasty's a never real thing, had. man. I mean, are you being have serious? You? No, I don't think it's open. It may have reopened. Yeah, the one thing about Abby was Abby always was dressed to the nines. Uh, always very well dressed and shit, but uh, Abby was brutal, and um, you either loved him or you hated him. Uh, the Sheik, Ed Farhart. Ed Farhat. Farhat, yeah. Yeah, um, ahead of his time, a real innovator. And, uh, you know, it's, uh, he was one of those guys that made it huge in every, he made it huge in his home of Detroit, but everywhere that he went, he was a top guy. He would, he could come in and leave. He was that, he was that special of an attraction and was able to draw money every place he went. Very, very unique attraction. I, I would say unique and kind of the first of his kind is a heel attraction. The giant Baba. Overrated. Really? Uh, yeah. You know, um, I just going over meeting with Baba and, and that whole fiasco. We've talked about it before on the show. I, didn't feel that Baba had a lot of respect for anybody other than himself. And, and maybe, you know, I just had a bad, a bad week with the guy, but, um, wasn't really impressed. Plus I don't feel that he, he treated us very well. And yeah, I just felt he was, he was overrated. What about Antonio Inoki? Antonio Inoki is one of the greatest promoters ever. You look, and when I say that, I, I look at self-promoter. Inoki working himself into the uh, deal with Muhammad Ali. Inoki working his way into the Japanese Senate. Inoki and the stunts that he pulled with Tiger Jeet Singh. Inoki was a great promoter because he knew how to get outside of the box and stay over for many, many years. All right. Last two here, buddy Rose and Doug Summers. <laughs> uh, Doug Summers, man, uh, married to Mike McGurk, Leroy McGurk's daughter. And my first, uh, cohort play by play commentator analyst, whatever the hell she was a uh, super sweet lady. Um, you know, Doug was the, stereotypical journeyman wrestler. Um, nothing good, nothing bad about him. Uh, Doug was, was pretty average playboy, buddy Rose lived the gimmick, man. He was playboy, buddy Rose in Portland, Oregon, in that territory, there was nobody bigger, Buddy went to the towns and stretched limousines, uh, buddy flew in private jets and snorted more cocaine than anyone <laughs> should ever be allowed to do. Um, he always had beautiful women on his arm is a shoot and buddy, buddy lived the gimmick. I think that if buddy hadn't gotten as big as he did overweight, that 
Buddy could have continued on and had a hell of a run with Hulk Hogan in in the late 80s. I, I believe that. I think Buddy still was that good of a performer. But I think Buddy lost confidence in himself when he got big. He could still bump. He could still go. But I think Buddy lost a little bit of his edge. An outstanding performer. A big fan of Buddy Rose. Paul Pershman's his real name. Well, that's going to bring this week's uh, hashtag Ask Bruce Anything to a close. Next week, we'll be back at you with a little Bob Backlund action. And don't forget, coming up after that, it's all about SummerSlam. We'll start with 05, then we'll go to 1990. You can get all these shows early and ad-free over at adfreeshows.com. If you've got a question for the show and you want to participate in the Bob Backlund episode, it's simple. Go follow us on Twitter, at Pritchard Show. We'll have something pinned to the top, fielding your questions for Bob Backlund. Until next time, he is at Bruce Pritchard. I am at Hey Hey, it's Conrad, and we are out of time. We'll see you next week right here on Something to Wrestle with Bruce Pritchard. Rock on! What about Shaka Khan? Yeah, that's dead. I've been telling you for a long time that SaveWithConrad.com can save you money, but don't take my word for it. Good morning. Hey, this is Dave Silva. I'm calling from Save with Conrad. How are you this morning? Oh, I'm doing pretty good. How about you? I'm doing good, buddy. I'm doing great. I listen to you guys all the time. Actually. Oh man, that's awesome. All five, five, all five podcasts. Okay, so what made you come to Save with Conrad in the first place? Uh, I was just looking to try to refinance my my home and try to get a a better better deal on my home, as well as try to cut out some of my my credit card and uh, other debts that I had. And I had worked with worked with Derek and. He was he was amazing. Like he answered every question that that I needed answered, and he was able to answer those questions as quickly as possible. If he wasn't able to answer things, he would get back hold of me within like within like an hour with with those answers. So he was just flat out amazing to work with. How much money was Save with Conrad able to save you? So they paid off my car, paid off several credit cards. I want to say in the long run, probably about thirty-five, forty thousand 40000 for sure. That's fantastic, man. That's great. Congratulations. Yeah, man. I, yeah, thank you for calling. I really appreciate your call. And like I said, um, I listen to you guys all the, all the time. I've listened to Conrad, ever, uh, Conrad Thompson ever since the Ric Flair show. So. <laughs> So what are you waiting for? Find out how much money you can save right now for free. You don't need perfect credit or money out of your pocket. Even credit scores in the 500s can be approved. And if we can't save you money, we won't waste your time. But because we're licensed in more than 40 states, we can help more families than ever before. Find out how much money you can save right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and did I mention you could skip your next two house payments? Hurry to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lenders. Whoop. There's no better time to say I love you, and the most hated jeweler in America is at it again. You've heard us say I hate StevenSinger.com, and you've heard us rave about his famous roses. But Steven Singer has been selling diamonds and bridal jewelry for four decades. Whether you have someone or something to celebrate, Steven is there for you. Ready to take the next step? Steven has a ready for love engagement ring collection that's no hassle, no risk, expertly picked engagement rings that are ready to go. Don't worry, Steven won't let you mess this up. He's been selling online for over two decades, but recently he's kicked everything up a notch to better service friends and guests online. 
He has real expert jewelers on call to help you find the perfect ring or gift through new virtual video appointments, calls, texts, chats, or emails, all with extended hours. On top of that, he offers the best guarantee in the business with a full 100-day, 100% money-back guarantee and free shipping. Interest-free financing is available online too, and that's just the beginning. Gifts that say I love you every single day, backed with decades of experience in the comfort of your own home, it's easy. Just go to IHateStevenSinger.com, fast, free, and safe shipping. Steven Singer Jewelers. That's IHateStevenSinger.com. Get your something to wrestle gear at BrucePritchard.com and check out BoxTheGimmicks.com, the official something to wrestle store, where you can find gimmicks for yourself or the fan in your life. New items added weekly. John brings his skewed sense of humor. Jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round. Together, it's those weekend golf guys. They'll pay a lot of money to PXG and Titleist and Callaway and on and on and on. Right? How many yards do you think you're going to pick up with that extra driver? I think I can get an extra 5 to 10. What if I give you 15 to 20? <laughs> you pay me more. Jeff Smith right? teaches on the sliding scale. <laughs> those weekend golf guys, the podcast, part of the Believe Network. Just search B-L-E-A-V on YouTube or wherever you listen.